It works better for me. And again, N equals one. That's all. It's all I'm worried about is what works best for me. Episode 881 of Diz Runs Radio is a quick tip episode. Today's quick tip, thoughts on fueling beyond the run. Hey guys, uh, today's episode of the show is brought to you in part by the uh, Little Things course, which as I say that sounds a little bit ridiculous because the Little Things course is free. So I'm not exactly sure how a free course sponsors the show, but... I don't know. It's a free resource that's out there. I guess it sponsors the show because it puts you on my email list, so then I get to email you uh, once in a while. Um, but anyway, uh, the, the Little Things course is all about kind of some of the things that we do beyond our running that really impacts our running. So uh, diet and nutrition, which we're talking again about today, but there's a lot more to it uh, than what we're going to get to today, some of which is covered in the Little Things course. It also looks at cross-training, recovery, um, sleep which I guess is part of recovery, but also like foam rolling and some of those more active recovery techniques, soft tissue type of stuff. Um, and why all those things are important and why all those things, if you're not doing them, if you're not doing the, the quote unquote little things, why you might be kind of undermining some of your growth and progression as a runner, because you may not be getting as much out of your training as uh, you think you are if you're not taking care of those uh, not so little, little things. So if you haven't checked out the course yet, like I said, 100% free, zero cost for you. Uh, all you need to do is head over to Disney runs.com slash little things. And if you really don't want to be on the email list, just sign up. And then, you know, when you get an email, you can unsubscribe from it. But I will say this about that before you do, I like to think my emails are actually worth reading. Like they're more like blog posts than they are kind of spammy newsletter, emaily type of things. So maybe give it, give it a couple weeks before you decide to unsubscribe, but it, whether or not you give it a couple weeks, whether you or not you unsubscribe right away, you still have then access to the little things course, uh, for the better part of forever. So hopefully you can learn a few things from it. Um, and, and that'll make it useful to you. And if it does, then, Hey, you know, good, glad to do that. Glad to help support your, your running habit and help you maybe hopefully learn a few things and uh, continue to move forward towards your goals. Uh, so disruns.com slash little things. So today we're, we're kind of continuing this look at, at nutrition. Like I mentioned in last week's episode or last week's quick tip, at least episode, episode 879, uh, I get a lot of questions, at least a fair amount of questions, at least some questions. I get some questions, uh, about kind of diet nutrition and, and kind of the idea of like, tell me what I should eat. What, what is the best thing to eat? You know, during the run, uh, what, what should I avoid? Uh, how much should I eat? When should I eat? And as I said last week, there's, there's no way that, uh, I can give any type of, of one size fits all advice around the, the idea of mid run fueling, mid run nutrition, anything like that. It's just, it's just not possible. But one thing that I, that I want to stress today and, and what I'm going to kind of focus on today is that while what you take in during your runs, during your long runs, during your races, while that's obviously important, it's an important part of the fueling puzzle, especially the longer your race becomes, you know, half marathon, marathon, ultra distance, like the longer that we're going, the more important it is to, to have the right mix and the right balance and figure out the right things for you in terms of mid-run fueling. It's, it's important to not overlook what you're doing from a fueling, nutrition, diet perspective beyond just, you know, that two, three, six, 12, 18 hours that you're out there running. You know, the stuff we eat on a daily basis, the foods that we take in matter. They, they do. And don't worry, I'm not going to try to preach to you about a certain type of diet or certain eat this, don't eat that. I just want you to think a little bit 
beyond when it comes to fueling for your runs, I want you to broaden your focus beyond just what do you do from the time you walk out your front door, from the time the race starts until the time you walk back in your front door or the time that the race finishes, because it's, it's a bigger picture than just that. And, and I think that for some of us as runners, we, we lose sight of that. We get, we get focused on our mid run fueling and should we have this gel or this chew or this drink or this, whatever, when should we have it? All those things matter, but don't overlook the importance of what you do the other six and a half days of the week. Right? So some things to keep in mind, some things, some just kind of general thoughts, um, general, maybe rules of thumb that again, I think are, are easy to, to maybe overlook a little bit. And then I'll, I'll get into, you know, kind of the last, the last little bit today of kind of what I do. And just like last week, I'm not telling you what I do because I think it's the best thing across the board. Universally, everybody needs to do it. I'm just saying, this is what I've found that works for me through various, you know, times of trial and error. And it's still a, a unfinished picture. You know, it continues to evolve. It continues to grow, but I'm going to share my take on you know, just the regular diet, nutrition, whatever you want to call it. Um, in hopes that it kind of spurs you to kind of think a little bit, because that's, that's ultimately the name of the game, figuring out diet nutrition, whether it's during a run or just whether it's in life in general is all about figuring out what works best for you, trying this, trying that, and, and kind of maybe paying attention a little bit to some signs and symptoms or some things that, uh, you know, kind of how this affects that and then making your choices accordingly. So first and foremost, some things to think about, some things to keep in mind beyond just what you're doing during your run. And that is the importance of maintaining a good level of hydration. You know, hydration gets talked about a lot when it's hot, right? When, when it's the summer months, no matter where you are, summer months, we're talking about make sure you're staying hydrated, make sure you're drinking enough water. Um, and, and, you know, if you live somewhere that's hot most of the year, like I tend to do it, it's, it's never something that's far from your mind, but when it gets cold, you know, even when it gets cooler down here in Florida, where I'm not sweating like, uh, like crazy, where it looks, doesn't look like I just jumped out of the, you know, did I, did I go swimming or did I go for a run? I'm not sure when I walk in the door, because that's how wet I am. Um, I stopped thinking sometimes about the importance of nutrition in that, you know, four week window when it's not ridiculously hot down here. Now, maybe your, your four week window is more like four months where the snow's flying and the ice is forming and, and things like that. And in those, those times, it can be easy to, to just kind of let the hydration piece fall from the front of your mind a little bit because you're not sweating with every run, right? You're not, you're not losing buckets and buckets of, of sweat metaphorically, hopefully, hopefully metaphorically, although some of you heavier sweaters, you might be losing buckets of sweat. Uh, if you go for a good long run in the, in the heat of the summer, but when, when you're not sweating like that, it's easy to, to kind of lose sight of, of how much water we should be drinking on a regular basis. And again, I'm not here to tell you how much water you need to be drinking, just reminding you to maintain good levels of hydration because our bodies are, are something like 70% water, something like that. Um, and they just tend to function better not only in running, but also in, in recovery and just overall general health when we're close to that 70% level of hydration. So make sure you're drinking enough water and, and know that doesn't mean that you have to just drink water. All right. I am on record as saying I drink a lot of coffee. Okay. And that's okay. You know, there's there, I'm still getting some hydration benefit from all the coffee I drink. You know, if you're more of a tea drinker or a, a juice drinker or a Gatorade drinker or whatever, you're getting hydration from that. I still, I still would say that the gold standard is water. Okay. We should be drinking a fair bit of, of, of water. Um, how much again, it depends, depends on a lot of factors. It depends on you specifically, how much you sweat, things like that. Depends on how much you're training, how much you're running. Um, obviously where you, where you live in terms of just the environmental factors. Um, 
so so it's hard to say. You know that that eight. We've all heard the drink eight eight ounce glasses of water recommendation, which is sixty four ounces of water. Sure, I'm, I guess that's a good place to start. Uh, I would I would encourage you to try to at least drink that much of regular water each day, and then if you want to supplement that with some coffee or some Gatorade or a Coke once in a while or whatever, like hey, you do you. I I'm in no place to judge because I'm drinking all the coffee every day, right? So so that's all good. Um, but I think that's a good place to start. Maybe more, maybe less. The the key is to just make sure that you're maintaining a decent level of hydration. And one of the easiest, simplest ways of doing that is to just check your urine every time you go to the bathroom, right? If if it's fairly clear or very light yellow, hey, probably pretty good, in a pretty good position there. If it's darker yellow, a fuller yellow into that kind of maybe even orangish territory, then you're probably a bit dehydrated and, and you're stressing your body a little bit because of that lack of of fluids that are making up all the space between your cells and, and all over your body and, and the, you know, the amount of viscosity of your blood. I mean, it's just, there's so many benefits of being well hydrated. So if that's the case, maybe up a little bit more water, you know, drink a little bit more water, not all at once, but just throughout the day. And what you probably notice, and maybe, maybe this is one of your hesitations. The Lord knows this was a hesitation for me for a while of drinking more water is like, I don't want to have to get up to pee in the middle of the night, like, or, or maybe depending on what you do for a job, like you can't just stop and go to the bathroom any old time you need to go. So, you know, I don't want to drink too much because then I'm going to, you know, have, be uncomfortable trying to, to wait until my next break so I can go to the bathroom. I'm going to be up a couple of times during the, during the evening. What I will tell you is yes, if you're drinking more water, you're going to have to use the bathroom more, but if you're consistent with drinking more water, whatever that is, whether that's 80 ounces, 100 ounces, 75 ounces, whatever it is, if you're consistent with drinking more, at first your body like really flushes and you have to go to the bathroom a lot, but then it starts to be able to hold on to that water a little bit more. It's kind of like a, a wet sponge or a wet, or wet rag versus a dry sponge or a dry rag, right? If, if you have a dry, a bone dry sponge or a bone dry rag, it doesn't do very well at, at absorbing the water. You go to, you go to, you know, wipe up a spill on the counter and you just push the fluid all over the place, right? But if you get that sponge wet first, or you get that rag wet first, so it's damp, you know, you bring out all the excess water, but it's, it's damp now. Well, now you just, you run over that, that spill and it, it sops everything right up. Our body and ourselves are kind of the same way. If we're maintaining a decent level of hydration, where we're not oversaturated, but we're in that damp, damp rag stage, we're more likely to hold on to some of that water. So what I found is if I, if I let my hydration go a little bit and then I, I get on, get on board my, my hydration plan, which is regularly about, uh, about 90 ounces of water a day. In addition to my coffee, um, when I'm, when I'm on track and I'm consistent with it, I rarely have to wake up in the middle of the night, middle of the night to go to the bathroom. If I let it slip for a day or two and then get back on board, that's the night that guaranteed I'm going to have to get up to go to the bathroom because my cells have kind of turned into that dry sponge, right? Maybe not quite, not a, not a perfect example, but it, 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 it I think it, it proves my, or it illustrates my point halfway decently that it's passing through. It's flushing the system a bit more because it's, the system has been a little bit drier. So it's, it's flushing through and now I'm, you know, waking up at two in the morning to go to the bathroom, messing up my sleep cycles, all that type of thing. So hydrate well is important. Seven days a week, 365 days a year. Um, and the better we're hydrating on a daily basis, the more we're going to benefit on race day or on the day of our long run and probably need to have less of a need to, to hydrate a lot during our run. We're still going to probably want to take some fluids with us, especially if it's hot, but it's probably less, vital if you're already starting at a full level 
level of hydration. So maintain your hydration levels all the time as best you can. It's going to help you be healthy overall and be healthy as a runner. Um, another thing to keep in mind or another thing to look at is your pre-run meal. And I'm not just meaning like what you eat exactly right before your run. So, you know, if you've got a, an early morning long run or you get an early morning race start and you get up and you have a little, you know, a little toast or a little this or that or whatever, um, a little, you know, half a banana or whatever it is, whatever, whatever you do before. And that's not the only pre-run meal I'm meaning. For me, I'm talking about a pre-run meal is basically anything that you're eating about 12 hours before your runs. Okay. So if, if you're like me, or at least I'll, I'll use myself as the example, you don't, you may not want to be like me. That's okay. But what I do is pretty, I mean, it's not set in stone, but it's pretty routine kind of what I, what I eat from Friday at dinner time um, until after my run Saturday morning, my long run Saturday morning. Uh, I've kind of figured out through trial and error that, that what I eat the night before a run that's, that's less than like half marathon distance. I mean, as long as I'm eating kind of the normal types of food that I would normally eat, I can kind of get away with anything. Like it doesn't matter if I'm having steak or chicken or fish or no meat at all. Like I'm good to go. It, it doesn't really impact me the night before what I eat for a five or six mile run. That may not be the case for you, but that's just what I figured out for me. But if I'm starting to get into 12, 15, 18 miles for my, my long runs, now I need to be a little bit more aware of what I eat the night before. So for me, that means that for dinner, it's usually some type of chicken. You know, I can, I can get away different ways. Um, and as I've talked about before, I figured that out that that works for me because it's, it's something, or I've defaulted to that, I guess, because it's something that's usually easy to get anywhere I go. If I happen to be traveling somewhere for a race, right? So that, that that might be something you want to keep in the back of your mind that, you know, you're not always going to have your normal kitchen set up. You know, if you, if you're, if you're training and you're trying to figure out your fueling, um, both during your runs and, you know, your pre-run meals, uh, in, in anticipation of eventually someday getting to travel to a race again, where maybe you're in a hotel, maybe you don't have much for a kitchen or much for, much for options for preparing your own food. So trying to figure out something that you can easily get either at a restaurant or, you know, my go-to, as I've mentioned before, is usually a rotisserie chicken that I can get from just about any grocery store anywhere, at least in the United States. So I can get something like that pre-cooked, ready to go. Um, so I default to chicken as my, my pre-run kind of main staple meal. All right. Again, you got to trial and error. You got to figure that out. But when you're thinking of your pre-run meal, think about what you're having for dinner the night before that long run, any type of snacks that you have between dinner and going to bed. Um, and then anything that you might eat before your run, kind of play with those variables, find out what might work for you, what sets well on your stomach, what keeps you from having to, you know, make an emergency, uh, stop to the bathroom, you know, halfway through your run, things like that. And, and yes, a lot of this revolves some trial and error. Okay. And figuring it out and paying attention, but just that's, maybe that's the key right there is to pay attention, pay attention to, all right. If you have some trouble during your long run, what did you eat in the last 12 hours before your, your run? All right. And then kind of pay attention. Well, I had this and I felt lethargic or I felt this and I had, I felt that gurgle in my, in my tummy. Um, and then, you know, maybe don't completely write it off as I, I shouldn't have X, Y, or Z, but just make note. All right. Well, I had this and I had some problems. Uh, let me try something different next week and see if I have any problems. And then maybe you decide to, Hey, let me go back and try, you know, that, that pasta dish or that steak or whatever. For me, steak is, is iffy for a, before a long run. It just doesn't seem to digest as well. Like not that I have issues with it. I just kind of feel kind of meh in the morning, especially in an early morning. If I have steak for dinner the night before, for whatever reason for me, chicken's easier to digest for me. 
So that seems to work. Maybe it's all in my head. I don't know, but I've tried it a few times. I've defaulted to no steak on Friday. So that's something that works for me. But but again, look at your pre-run meal beyond just what you're eating the morning of and see if you can kind of figure out some ways to make sure that your, your tank is full before the race starts, which just like being well hydrated before your race starts or your run starts, having a, a full tank as far as just energy reserves and, and glycogen and all that type of stuff, it's going to give you a little bit more wiggle room with how you're fueling yourself during your run makes it easier to, to get through your run with less fueling, which as we talked about last week, potentially overfueling is the, is the cause of a lot of GI distress during runs. So maybe that's something that can help you not just what you're worrying about during your run, but what you eat before your run as well. And then last but not least from just kind of general thoughts, or I guess two more general thoughts left. Um, but, but just eating well in general, eating healthy food in general is usually a good thing, right? Um, not just to help us with our running, but just to be overall well, well-rounded, healthy people. You know, it helps with mental health, helps with, with all, all kinds of things to, to try to avoid within reason. You know, I mean, I'm not saying you can never have, you know, some type of convenience food or fast food or processed food or things like that. Like, it's okay. We're all human. And that's kind of going to be the last point. It's okay to indulge once in a while. It's indulge in a treat or eat something out of convenience when it's, when it's necessitated. Those things are okay. But in general, the majority of the time, whatever you want to call it, 75%, 80%, 85%, whatever. The majority of the time, if you're eating, you know, what I call real food. So things that are, are the least amount of processed possible. You know, think about the, the things that you get at the grocery store when you just shop around the perimeter. There's, the, there's like the dairy stuff, the meat stuff, the fruits and vegetable stuff. Like if you can find most of that stuff there, maybe you get into the, the interior a little bit. You get some frozen stuff, uh, you know, some frozen vegetables, some frozen fruits or some canned things. Like those things are okay too, right? But stay out of the super processed stuff, the box stuff, the shelf stable stuff that can kind of last forever on your shelf. If it can last forever on the shelf, it's probably not the healthiest thing to eat as a, as the staple or as a as a key component of your diet. Again, once in a while, totally cool. I'm I'm not here to tell you you can never indulge. You can never have a piece of cake or a little bit of dessert or have a drink. You know, Lord knows. Uh, again, on the layers of hypocrisy that I that I espouse sometimes, that would be a pretty big one for me to say you can never do anything like that. All right, I'm not going to go that far. I'm just going to say that in general. If you're eating the things that, that you know work well for you, that, that you would class as, as overall healthy, nutrient-dense type of foods, if you eat those the, you know, the majority of the time, it's probably going to help you just be overall in good health, which not for nothing, that's going to help you improve towards your running goals, right? So like I said, w- one other thing before we kind of talk about my situation and what I found that works for me is that it's important to remember that it's okay to, to indulge once in a while. You know, um, whether that's having a, a, a special treat after a long run, after a race, for a birthday party, like whatever, there's nothing, obviously nothing wrong with that. You know, just kind of pay attention, kind of going back to the, that pre, pre-race or pre-run meal situation, um, pay attention to how you feel, you know, for 24 to 48 hours after a certain indulgence, right? So if, if you know that you like, you know, a couple glasses of wine and a bowl of ice cream once in a while, Cool. Have a couple glasses of wine and a bowl of ice cream once in a while. But if you feel real sluggish and lethargic the next morning, maybe don't make that something that you do before a run. Maybe make that something that you you enjoy. You know, if, if your if your Sunday is if if Sunday is your off day, then maybe that that you enjoy that at kind of the end of the week, just to you know kind of unwind a little bit. You're going to sleep in in the morning anyway, so you know if you're feeling a little more lethargic, like whatever, have your wine, have your ice cream, whatever. 
but but what I'm saying is is when you know if you figure out that certain indulgences don't line up well to a good run first thing the next morning, plan those indulgences accordingly. Not not in a way that like I have to earn them this way, but just in a way that hey, I can live my life, I can enjoy this this bit of food or this this treat or whatever, and it's not going to impact my training too much because tomorrow's not a run day anyway. Hope that that makes sense. So, what works for me? And again, this is no way, shape, or form, a one-size-fits-all type of situation. You do what works best for you. It's all about trial and error. It's all about figuring things out. Um, but these are things that I have figured out that work for me over the years. None of these are quick fixes. None of these are things that if you try to implement them tomorrow, you're going to see huge results by you know by the end of the month. They're just designed to help you think a little bit or maybe start your, your thought process a little bit and see if any of these sound like they might be something that you would want to try. And if they are and you have questions, obviously let me know. If you have questions about other, th- other things, let me know. I'll, I'll, I'll weigh in. You know, Studying and, and researching and learning more about diet, nutrition, and how our bodies work from a, from a fueling perspective is something that's long been a passion of mine. Uh, so I know a few things. I, I don't know a lot of things, but I know a few things, and I'm happy to, to have those discussions with you if you're interested. So for me, real quickly, to try to avoid another 30-minute quick tip episode, um, I've learned that high-fat, low-carb diet works for me. Okay. Um, may not work for everybody may not work for you. A lot of the, the experts, the gurus, the nutritionists, the, the sports dietitians, uh, they like to say that that's, that there's no way that that works for runners. Um, I'm here to tell you it works for me. So at least N equals one, it works for me. I know there's a lot of elites, especially at the, at the ultra ultra marathon type of distances that it kind of works for them as well. Um, so, you know, for me, it was a trial and error thing. And again, it was something that took months to really kind of see that it was, that it was maybe going to work. All right. I committed to it for a year after about six months. I was like, yeah, this is, this is legit. Um, you know, and, and that's, that was three and a half years ago and here we are now. I'm not like hardcore keto. I'm not hardcore. Like, Oh my God, I can't have fruit or I can't have a cookie once in a while or things like that. But what, what works for me, um, is, is just kind of being smart with it, right? Like not going crazy, not overdoing it. Uh, eating mostly fats and proteins and a little bit of carbs once in a while. All right. And if I'm really having a craving for something sweet, I have something sweet, but for the most part, my, my diet tends to skew more towards kind of that, that low carb, uh, you know, whether you want to call it paleo primal, um, not probably keto, but I'm probably in and out of ketosis once in a while. Um, but that works for me. That works for me. Um, intermittent fasting goes very well hand in hand with kind of the, the high fat, low carb situation. And I actually started doing intermittent fasting well before I started the, the, the high fat, low carb diet. Uh, and it had nothing to do with running at that point. It was all to do with some, some preliminary research that was saying that there may be a link between intermittent fasting and a reduction in the risk of Alzheimer's and other cognitive, uh, impairments that are more and more common these days. Uh, and, and I have, two grandparents that, that both passed with uh, Alzheimer's disease and kind of seeing them and watching them decline and, and, you know, getting to the point where they don't know who I, who I was and things like that. I was like, Oh hell no. Like I want nothing to do with Alzheimer's disease. And so if that means that I spend, you know, 60 years of my life, not eating breakfast until noon. Um, and if that gives me a 1% better chance to avoid having Alzheimer's disease, meh, that's okay. You know, I'll roll the dice with that. And if, and if it ends up not making a difference one way or the other, then like, whatever, no big deal. Uh, but then when I got on board the, the low fat, 
or I'm sorry, the low carb, high fat uh, train, it, it really kind of fueled, it, it, it merged well together. They fit together pretty well because it just helps to become more quickly fat adapted when you're, you're used to only running for, you know, or only eating for, for short amounts of time, doing your runs fast and things like that. So they work well together for me. They can both work independently of each other though as well. Um, but for me, again, for me, N equals one, it's been a good combination uh, in comes to, when it comes to just general food principles. Am I perfect as far as do I always stick to my exact fueling windows when it comes to intermittent fasting? No, of course not. There are times when I'm really hungry and I have something to eat before. Typically noon is kind of my, my target. There's plenty of times I eat before noon. Okay. There's plenty of times I eat after eight o'clock PM, which is my usual kind of stop taking in calories at that point. Right. So it's, it's, it's a sliding, you know, there's, there's, there's an indulgence here and there. There's a, you know, there's a day that like, I'm just not feeling it. So I'm going to eat proper breakfast. All right. It happens. I'm not trying to be perfect, but in general, those are two things that work for me. Another thing that I found that works for me, and this is going to drive some of the intuitive eating people crazy, but I like to, I have found that for me, putting certain rules in place and I kind of use air quotes with my rules has been really helpful. So, you know, if, if I don't, I just kind of feel like I, I tend to do a, too, a bit too much grazing, uh, and, and maybe not ever eat enough to where I'm like, Oh, I don't want that anymore. But uh, maybe the perfect example for me is dark chocolate, right? Dark chocolate is one of those kind of indulgences that, that the keto people, the low, the low carb people, the high fat people are like, yeah, you know, there's not a whole lot of sugar in dark chocolate. The darker, the better, like go for it. But guess what? There's still a fair, fair bit of calories in the dark chocolate. Um, and not that I'm like worried about calories, not that I'm counting calories, trying to lose weight, anything like that. But at the same time, you know, it's, it's, it's something that's, that I'm kind of aware of, at least something that I monitor a little bit, the overall body weight. Right. And so uh, we get, I, I get some, some dark chocolate usually from Aldi and the way, the way it comes from Aldi, you get the big packet and it's a bunch of like individualized kind of pseudo bars of chocolate, you know, like kind of a, a serving and a half or two servings or whatever in each bar. And on a regular basis, before I put this rule in place, I would eat, you know, I'd have a, a bar somewhere kind of around my, my lunchtime and probably one or two after dinner. Um, you know, not think anything of it. Just eat intuitively. Like, oh, I want a little something sweet, a little, a little something with a little extra, extra flavor, a little, you know, dark chocolate, good for the soul, right? So I'd have two or three of these bars of chocolate at pretty much every single day. Now, if you're doing the math on that at home, that means that over the course of a week, I'm having 14 to 21 bars of chocolate, typically. Not full-size bars, of course, but, but bigger than like a fun size, you know? I mean, so it's, it's, it's not nothing, that's for sure. At some point, I kind of realized, like, damn, I'm eating a lot of freaking chocolate every week. Uh, maybe more so than I should. And trying to limit myself to just one per day, it just wasn't wasn't working. So what I've done, and this is probably about a, the past month or so, is implement a rule for myself where I can have basically as many pieces of chocolate as I want on a Saturday, one or two on a Sunday if I'm really kind of feeling it, but Monday through Friday, zero. And I'll tell you what, it's, it works. I have zero cravings for chocolate during the week. On Saturday, I probably eat, uh, you know, five or six or seven of those pieces of chocolate. But if you're doing the math at home, that's between half and, and two thirds less or whatever, half and a third. However, I'm trying to say it. I'm either eating half as much chocolate as I used to, or a third as much chocolate as I used to when I was having some every day. So putting that rule in place for me has worked. 
I've also kind of made a, a fairly regular menu, if you will, each day so that I break my fast at noon with a couple of hard boiled eggs. I have my quote unquote lunch somewhere between two or three, two and three o'clock in the afternoon. And I have like two or three different options that I choose from depending on kind of what I'm feeling that day. But I rarely color outside of those lines because that way I don't have to think about it. I just make my lunch, eat it back to work. Uh, and then dinner, you know, kind of varies from, from day to day, of course, but like putting those rules in place instead of trying to think about it and I don't know, and then grazing and having some of this and having some of that, and a little bit of cheese and a little bit of, you know, some, some walnuts and some pecans and some, some more cheese and some this and some that. And like, never really felt like I ate anything substantial, but I've had, you know, however many calories that it ends up being. Um, it's just, it's just another one of those little rules that has kind of worked for me, you know, on the, on the alcohol front. Again, I, I, I can't, it's very rare that I have more than one drink in a day, but for a while there, I was drinking five or six nights a week. Nothing crazy, just you know, a little bit of a little bit of something after dinner. Um, sometimes with dinner, if it was with dinner, that I wouldn't also have one after dinner. One or the other, right? Um, nothing crazy, but just kind of like, man, you know, maybe if I had a little bit less alcohol, maybe that would that would be better for me overall. Because let's not kid ourselves. As much as I enjoy a, a gin or a tequila once in a while, like. Alcohol is kind of a toxin, right? Like it's not, uh, it's not something that our body thrives upon. So I decided to just say, Hey, Wednesday and then Saturday and Sunday, those are the days that I'll, I'll have a drink. Uh, some, sometimes I even think that maybe I should cut that down even more. I don't know. Maybe that'll happen eventually down the road, but that's enough for me to just like with the chocolate, that's enough for me to scratch my itch, right? I don't feel like I'm restricted. I don't feel like I can't. It's just, it's just not even a question of, Oh, it's Thursday. Well, I'm not having a drink because it's Thursday. You know, no, no factor. Oh, it's Wednesday. All right. Well, yeah, I can have a drink today. No guilt. That may not be the the best way of always looking at things, but it's the way that works for me. So if you need that kind of structure, if that kind of structure, those type of rules, those today, yes, tomorrow, no type of situation works for you, you know, just because you like the idea of intuitive eating or just because you like the idea of not having restrictions, like that's okay. But maybe that little bit of extra structure might work better for you. It works better for me. And again, N equals one. That's all. It's all I'm worried about is what works best for me. And all you should be worried about from a diet nutrition standpoint, whether we're talking about during your run, whether we're talking about not during your run, just in general and life, you should, you should be worried mostly about what works best for you. What types of food, what times of eating, what restrictions, what this, what that it's all about what works best for you. So, you know, when it's, when it's all said and done, you know, talking about this from bringing it back to a running perspective, right? We've all got our running goals that we're working towards. We've all got those things that we're trying to achieve in this sport or the check marks, those next steps. And then we're going to go on from that distances, paces, times, races, whatever. We've all got them. And what you eat during your runs, especially those longer runs, those longer races obviously matters, but what you eat and drink and consume beyond just your running, that plays a part too. So don't, don't fall victim to that, that narrowing of focus where you just think about, all right, what should I, you know, what, what is the best sports drink or the, the best, the best gel or the best goo or the best whatever to take in during your run? Yes. Think about those things, but don't forget to show up hydrated to, um, think about what you're eating the day before the night before the morning of your pre-run meals and try to optimize those for what works best for you. Don't forget to just Try to eat healthy food the majority of the time overall, but not so much that you're not allowing yourself some indulgences. You still got to live life. You still got to be happy. We still want to be all around healthy people and all around healthy people 
have some cake once in a while. We have some, some treats once in a while, some ice cream, some this, some that. All those things are okay, and all of those things are part of putting the, the, the full picture together when it comes to diet and nutrition and being the best runner that you can possibly be. So hopefully that, that makes sense. Hopefully there's something that was useful in that. And here we are. We still made it to 30 minutes today. Goodness gracious. Um, next week won't be 30 minutes, right? These, these 30 minute quick tips are getting ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Whoever, whoever's allowing these should be, should be fired. All right. That's, that's all I got to say. Um, but this is a heavy topic, one that's way, and we barely scratched the surface. All right. Between last week, this week, barely scratched the surface on diet and nutrition because it's so individualized. It's so up to you. It's so up to me that, that we all just have to keep trying and keep recognizing that, that things may change over time and what works today may not work tomorrow. And that's okay. Keep, keep working at it. Keep trying to optimize, keep paying attention to, to how you're feeling after certain foods and, and during, you know, when you're eating certain things and afterwards and how that feels the next day with your runs and just continue to try to optimize, continue to continue to try to, to figure out the best things for you. And hopefully that'll translate well to your performances, uh, on the, you know, with your training runs, with your races, with things like that going forward. So that's it for today at Dizruns on Twitter, at Dizruns on Instagram, thoughts, questions, concerns, anything like that. Let me know. Dizruns at gmail.com. And of course, Dizruns.com slash 881. Dizruns.com slash 881 is the link back for the show notes today. You can leave comments, thoughts, records, I don't know, comments, thoughts, takeaways down there in the comment section on that page as well. We also got some memes, some gifs, some things like that, some links, all the things in the show notes for today. Dizruns.com slash 881. Last but not least, if you want some more information on diet nutrition, not that, it, not that it's the, the final end-all be-all, but there's some more information in the Little Things course, along with a whole bunch of other stuff as well. Dizruns.com slash little things. Check it out. Let me know what you think if you haven't been there already. If you have been there, poke around a little bit, and then let me know what you think, because uh, always looking forward to that, that type of feedback and help me to kind of know what else to, to put together for you guys. I got some ideas, but you know, your feedback is appreciated as well. So with that, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up once again. Sorry for such a long, quick tip, but hopefully... It's not a quick tip, but sorry for such a long tip. Uh, Hopefully it helps. Hopefully it's useful. Uh, And until next time, y'all, please be well. Take good care. Thanks again for listening. And uh, we'll talk soon, right? See you. (laughs) 